Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Beautiful Lives, your one and only source of insights into the scintillating beauty secrets of Madeline's guests. This week, me, Kristen Bell. Hello, and welcome back to Beautiful Lives. Thanks for being so patient in waiting for more episodes. I've really missed working on the show and I'm pleased to say I'm starting a new run and there'll be an episode every week and that I'm kicking things off with a bang with the wonderful Kristen Bell, who of course you'll have just heard reprising her role as the narrator of Gossip Girl, which is a bit of a pinch me moment for me as a fan of the show. Kristen is of course famous for voicing Anna in Frozen, for playing the titular Sarah Marshall in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, And she is a star of the Netflix shows The Good Place and The Woman in the House across the street from The Girl in the Window. Luckily, I didn't have to make the trip to Hollywood because Kristen was visiting London to celebrate Hello Bello, which is a brand she's launched with her husband, Dax Shepard. I'll pop the link to Hello Bello in the show notes. It will come across in the conversation, but it was such a pleasure to spend the afternoon with Kristen, who, as you can probably imagine, is one of the nicest and most thoughtful people I've interviewed. I won't spoil the episode for you, but I will say that I found Kristen's considered answers combined with a real passion for the fun and transformative element of beauty to be a real treat. And I hope you'll enjoy her insights on everything from her attitude towards letting her daughter experiment with her appearance to her morgue-like makeup moment during her 20s as much as I did. I'm thrilled that this episode is sponsored by Mantle, the high-quality Scandinavian female-founded beauty and wellness brand which is powered by cannabis. I came across them earlier this year when I became a fan of their body scrub, which I was told by a fellow friend in the industry was really quite special. And I was delighted to find she was right because as regular listeners will probably know by now, I'm quite picky about products. I then worked my way through more of their curated range and found quite a few gems. I also read up on the brand and loved that they place such importance on quality, both of ingredient and of end product. I'll be back later in the show to tell you more about them and my top picks. But for now, over to Kristen Bell. Kristen. Yes. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Could you take us back to little Kristen growing up in Michigan in the 80s and tell us about your first beauty related memory? I grew up in a thousand square foot home, a little bungalow with my mom, and it was definitely watching her put on creams, trying to understand why she did it. Her telling me about the importance of SPF, which she did very often because her mother had said, always have a beauty routine, no matter how big or how small, just know your routine, know what's good for your skin and always cap it off with SPF. And then I also remember her pulling out her Clinique free gift. I remember going to the mall with my mom when there was the month where Clinique would give the free gift where if you've spent $28 or something, you got a little packet and it had a lipstick and a blush and a mascara in it. And it seemed like you were getting such a crazy amount of value in the free gift. So I remember waiting in the lines at the mall with my mom to receive the Clinique free gift. And I still love their high glossy mascara. That's what I remember wearing as my first mascara, and I still love it. 
Clinique mascaras are brilliant. Side note. Yeah. But I like all of them. I've never really dared to venture out of outside using the high glossy because I find like as a blonde, it's such a thin coat, which is what I want at all times to just look, you know, very, very natural and pretend I'm not wearing any makeup at all. What were you like as a teenager, inwardly and outwardly? Could you paint us a picture? I outwardly was very happy, very smiley, and was always looking for a way to make people laugh and happier around me. I don't think I had necessarily honed a sense of comedy. I wasn't, I was no comedic genius as a kid, but I was understanding what made people giggle and what didn't and doing like impressions around my house or singing to my mom always made her happy. And I realized that made me feel really good, which certainly was the birth of me recognizing what a people pleaser (laughs) I was and that I was happier if the people around me were happier, which for a while that was fine. And then as I grew into an adult, I realized that's not necessarily a very dependable foundation that I have to be able to make myself happy without the people around me being happy. So inwardly, I think I was struggling a little bit with, as usual, sort of self-esteem issues and really putting the the onus on the happiness of others around me as opposed to myself. That was something I learned much later in life. Did you have any particularly strong feelings, positive or negative, about the way you looked at that time? Well, I think if I'm to put myself in my head at 14, 15, 16, I was fine with the way I looked. I was pretty neutral. Looking back, I recognize that meant that I liked the way I looked because I can see pictures of myself and go, oh, I was a cute enough kid and that's why I didn't suffer like crazy when I looked in the mirror. I didn't have that much of an awkward phase. I say this all from a very privileged position of just having gotten a hybrid of my mother and father's faces. But I never struggled a ton with the way I looked. And I realize now that meant that I liked the way I looked. That's amazing though and I don't hear that very often on this podcast really yeah it's a joy to hear that I'm very grateful for it certainly I don't think it's an experience that a lot of people have but I don't hate my face there are things about my face that I would I got a lot of real estate on these cheeks and sometimes I love it and sometimes I cover it with my hair but I wasn't tormented by the way I looked and I as an adult realize how lucky I was Were there products that you coveted? Were you the little girl who looked in a shop window and thought, one day I'm going to buy those lipsticks in five colours? Well, I don't know if I knew enough or actually like went to enough fancy places to covet something. But I remember looking at my mother's makeup cases and looking at her dop kit and playing around when she wasn't there and just wondering why she wore all these brown tones of lipstick and thinking, doesn't she know pink is the only way to be? Why doesn't she have a glittery pink lipstick? That's what's in vogue right now. That's because it was like 1988 or 89. And I'm like, I've got to teach her, which she wanted to hear nothing of it from an eight or nine year old. Um, But I remember as I played with my mom's makeup that I felt different. And I think that's kind of how my kids look at me now. Just from a fashion perspective, when I am wearing a white t-shirt and jeans and boots, and I feel like a million bucks, I'm like, I've done this outfit. This is simple. It's lovely. I've got a nice necklace for creativity. And they look at me and they go, why aren't you wearing a fancy dress? You look absurd. 
So it's, I think that's just like a generational perspective I now have. Mm. What about perfume? Did your mom come in smelling like anything particular? She always wore the same perfume. I love it to this day. It could, it could lull me to sleep like a lullaby to this day. She wore, it was from the local drugstore. It was called Jovan White Musk. And it was just like a very sensible ladylike white musk, which those I think are all fairly similar. It was in a spray. I, it is so comforting for me to smell that even to this day. Yeah. And do you wear something that has a white musk note? I did for a very long time. <laughs> I wore the same perfume. I wore Jovan White Musk because I knew it worked for her. And as with perfumes, if you experiment or try them out, you do know that like some work with bodies that are different and some, you know, you kind of have to find one that works with your pheromone. Um, I have uh, switched in my adult years to this little bottle of oil by a brand called Nemat, which you can get at Whole Foods. And it's an amber oil. It's just a little roll on. And I love it. I've worn it for probably 15 years. But amber's also very warm. So it fits, I think, in the same family. In the white musk, yeah. vanilla, yes, sort of like a bergamot mm-hmm. amber tones. Let's return to when you arrived in New York from Michigan. Did you develop new habits or style yourself differently? Oh, I was experimenting like you couldn't believe. I was like, am I a midriff person? Am I a low belt person? Am Do I wear little kitten heels with everything? There were so many sort of like, you know, decently priced or lower end like like fabulous shops in the mid to West village where I was living that I would open credit cards just to try out new outfits. And I don't know what I was doing at 18 years old, applying for credit cards and then looking at a statement going like, Oh my God, I owe them $89. Ooh, I'm going to have to uh, figure out how to borrow a hundred dollars from my parents. I mean, also there's something very scary about not knowing where your career is going. And well, for sure, not knowing whether you're going to make any money or not. Exactly. But yeah. New York filled me with this excitement of being experimental, which I wasn't filled with in Michigan. I felt like in Michigan, there are two really great colleges, Michigan State and University of Michigan. And so when you're growing up in Michigan, the, the, the question isn't uh, what college are you going to? The question is, are you going to state or U of M? And I had always felt like that wasn't for me. I don't know why. I just wanted like, I wanted a weirder culture. I wanted way more experimentation. I wanted to see different things that I didn't see on my street. And so going to New York, seeing and meeting drag queens and being in the musical theater community where weirdness was coveted and celebrated and glorious was very exciting for me. And you on Broadway, Mm -hmm. very young, Mm -hmm. and then at 24, Veronica Mars, but there was a gap in the middle where you were testing for roles and you said that you weren't getting anything. Is that right? Oh yeah, nothing. No, 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 nothing. How did that make you feel? It made me feel like... I'm trying to think of how I felt in the moment, but I can really only tap into what I see now as that was my time to build resilience. At the time, I felt like I was right for nothing because the the feedback I was getting out of auditions were she's not pretty enough to be the like the pretty girl, like the girlfriend that that the high school boy falls in love with. And she's not quirky enough to play the best friend. And constantly getting that as feedback, I was like, well, then where do I fit in? Where do I fit in? And so I think I was just looking for my lane and wondering if it had even yet been created. And were you fairly confident, do you think, at that point that you would find that? Confidence? No, that came way later in life. Commitment? I was filled with it. Determination? I was filled with it. But I wouldn't say confidence, but I was hell-bent on staying on this path 
until I found it. And I almost couldn't even consider the question of will you ever find it? I just, my determination was keeping me going because I loved it. I loved becoming new people. I loved having one episode roles on The Shield or American Dreams or any of these American shows that I was lucky enough to have guest roles on. I just Yeah, I loved it so much. There was no, I never desired to quit it, but I certainly didn't feel like I had a place. But you're not a plan B person then? I am not a plan B person. That is very astute. In fact, I started a minor in journalism because my father's a journalist and I very shortly realized it was distracting me too much from reading my, you know, Edward Albee play or whatever I was up to in the moment or studying some sort of Shakespeare music theory. So I dropped it. And then when I booked my first Broadway show, my parents were both so nervous. So and they weren't together, but they separately were like, this is very nerve wracking for us that you want to drop out of school, join this show. And I was just like, wait, 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 wait. Are you or are you not training me to be a professional actress? Well, I got a professional job. So it's not like a doctor where you need a degree. I had all these arguments as to why I should be allowed to not get my college degree. And I still like if I were I still wish that I had it just because I want that, I guess, on my wall to say I did it. But um, I did. I dropped out in my third year and um, did my first show. It's tricky when your parents want you to have a vocation and you're going in another. Yeah, but I had also heard the advice that if you have something to fall back on, you'll fall back. And I think I took that very seriously. When you got Veronica Mars, it was that era of toxic paparazzi culture. What was your experience of that? Well, luckily, Veronica Mars was not that popular when it aired, so I didn't really experience a lot of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> nobody was hunting me, and and with good reason. We were in San Diego. Um, no one cared, and I was also so low on the totem pole. I saw it with people that I had to do press with, and then when I joined the cast of Heroes, it was when Hayden Panettiere was like very high, highly sought after for these magazines. And I just saw how much it tormented her. And the few times that I really experienced it, it seems like, wouldn't that be so cool for people to care about your every move and for a paparazzi to want to get your photograph. But when it's happening, it feels so much like predator and prey. It feels so gross. Yeah. And do you feel like it's still the same now? I don't. I feel like it's changed a lot, particularly with social media, that people can control what they post and that audiences have a feed of the person that they like at all times. And it's way more intimate. Like you're posting a picture in your kitchen. Well, you know, if you love Jennifer Garner, wouldn't you rather see her in her kitchen with what she wants to show you versus on the street when she looks like she's being followed by some crazy person with a camera? I also was a part of building a campaign with my husband called the No Kids Policy, which in the States, what we basically did was when we first had kids and experienced the paparazzi following us with our child felt so out of control. Like we can't have our child feel these nasty feelings at the park and see someone pushing someone over to get a picture of them on the swings. This is ridiculous that we just started talking about it publicly, about how uncomfortable it was. And we went to a lot of different media companies and said, we have this list of actors that will no longer be giving you interviews unless you agree to sign this paper that says you won't print pictures of their children without their consent. Because the way I look at it is I chose to be in the public eye. My daughters did not. And until they know them better, it's my job to protect them from this. I mean, are my daughters going to join a reality show when they're 16? Sure, I know that. Okay, I know what I'm in for. But until then, it's my job to protect them. So that was really important to us to educate people on how the children should sort of be staying out of this. Damn right. 
As promised, here's a little more info on today's sponsor, Mantle. As I mentioned earlier, the first product of theirs which piqued my interest was their body exfoliant, the Hot X. It's really damn good. You apply it to dry skin and rub it all over your body. It smooths on easily, doesn't end up all over the walls of your shower or whatnot, and you just rinse it off and the skin underneath is gloriously soft and nourished, but without any oily film on you or the floor for that matter. And that's another pet peeve of mine, by the way, when it comes to exfoliants. The whipped body cream called The Whip became my next mantle must-have for its ability to leave skin properly soft and cosseted. It's the perfect pre-bed body skin treat. The final product I'm going to talk about is a chill cream. This is a bit of an all-round hero, and I started to use it on a stubborn patch of psoriasis with really good results. The redness went down, the patch started to feel less cross, and actually I noticed the skin in that area looked really hydrated for the first time in months. Mantle have set up an exclusive discount code of 20% off for listeners, but it will only work for the first 50 buyers, so please get in there quickly if you'd like to take advantage of it. All the details will be in the show notes, and of course, if you want more recommendations, just head over to hellomantle.co.uk or check out their Instagram at hellomantle. Now, back to Kristen Bell. You said recently that you wore lots of makeup in your 20s. What was your go-to look? What products did you love? Mm. I've always had a hard time with my eyes. Always, because they're very deep set um, and they're hard to make look big. So no matter what kind of eye makeup I put on them, they always looked smaller. So I was never an eyeliner person. I can barely now do a wing. But when I nail it, I feel really good about myself. Um, It was the Clinique High Glossy Mascara. And I usually used some sort of a like tinted lip balm as a blush and lipstick duo. And with foundations, I'm trying to think of what I even wore back then. I bet it was still Clinique. I bet it was still like what my mom was using. So quite natural then. You didn't have a moment where a makeup artist introduced you to loads of stuff and you were like, I'm going to need all of these things you put on my face. No, of course. I bought everything. But when I would look in the mirror, it would take me a long time. But the end result would be still fairly minimal, I guess. Um, Because one of my first jobs was on this American show called Deadwood. And David Milch had, after I was cast, written a line for Powers Booth where he was yelling at me and he, he said a line that after I was cast, he wrote as you with your beady little ferret eyes. And it again just made me think, oh my God, my eyes are too small. I can never wear eyeliner. Every time I put anything dark on them, they look smaller. So I guess that's my hang up. Things like that really embed in your mind sometimes. Isn't it weird? It's so weird. Someone can say one thing, it's quite offhand to them and it lives with you for quite a long time. Yeah. I think what I did in my 20s was powder a lot. I think Mm. I had, I had a, I know what I had. I had a mineral powder. I had the Jane Iredell mineral powders or bare minerals and I slathered it on. That's why I don't remember a foundation because that worked. And it was like a very morgue-like makeup to the level that I did it, the skin tone at least. Everyone's changed now though. That's the biggest shift, I think. It's gone from being everyone wanted matte skin that was very covered to now Uh wanting dewy skin that basically looks natural. Yeah. And it's really shifted. What a wonderful change though, right? Great, yeah. Yeah. So much more about health and fitness and looking after yourself versus slapping on loads of makeup. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, You're married to Dex Shepard, obviously whom you share two kids and the brand Hello Bello. And you've talked about Dax stealing your skincare products because you know what's good. Every single one. Yeah. He acts like he is not into it at all. Mm -hmm. And yet everything's missing. 
everything in my makeup cabinet is missing at all times. He'll, he'll, I'll see him over there tinkering and he's like, what's hyaluronic acid? And I'm like, buy it yourself if you want it or minimally put it back when you're done. He has psoriasis and I have eczema. So redness, like a rosacea, we are a rosacea family. And so any type of redness reducing creams, any of the green tint is that the SkinCeuticals has a really good like green tinted serum. Is that the Phytocorrect? Uh-huh. The yeah. Phytocorrect yeah. is wonderful. Mm. Also, I live and die by hyaluronic acid. Um, I just, it pumps everything back into my skin that I need. And I've also recently, I got a facial by um, Fatma, who has um, Skin Design London. So I did not know about it until recently. And now I am absolutely obsessed with this, her serums and everything that she does. So I get very excited about it because I had acne and redness. So my skin needs a lot of calming as well. Yeah. yeah so it's like, it's and one it's of those changed things. so much too because mm. I remember my, I'm also sensitive. So prior to the last, I would say, two years, mm. I thought that I was hideously allergic, mm. putting that in quotes, not an actual allergy, to retinol, glycolic, salicylic, any of those. Anything would make me break out and get red. And so I steered clear of all of that. So I wasn't able to use any sort of age-resistant products until recently when I discovered Fatma, which I realized like, oh, I can use these. And the Institutium Cleanser, which is sort of like a gel to a little bit of a a soapy feeling, has a mild amount of retinol in it Mm -hmm. that I have been using for about two years. And I do feel like it keeps my skin like nice and glowy and healthy and producing new skin cells when previously I thought retinol was my worst enemy. It's so true though. When you find good products, you realize that you can actually go in for the um, age battling in the same way other people do and yeah. you're not stuck in just the battle with whatever condition you have yes yeah which is a lovely freeing moment mm-hmm. I have found uh do you still love makeup then as much as you did yeah yeah oh god yeah okay. I don't with my lifestyle being as it is I'm I, I tend to be very simple but I love all of the products I love 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 them I'm currently wearing I'm pretty sure an entire face of Charlotte Tilbury because the pillow talk line is it's second to none for a blonde at least the pillow talk eyeliner which I now know how to do gives me so much joy and the pillow talk lipstick is pretty much all that I wear all her lipstick colors are brilliant all her nudes they're exceptional yeah Yeah. and they're really second to none with any other um color palette of nudes I find so she's, she's really nailed something you said you've got no issue with your kids painting their face. So no, no, do you no. still consider makeup to be a form of expression and that's how you see it? A hundred percent. I mean, look, I'm, other parents may disagree and that's fine. My road is my road. Their journey is their journey. But when my daughters want to play with my makeup, which is tr- truly I, I can't keep any good makeup brushes anymore because they're all ending up in their drawers or the yard with like watercolor paints. So I've learned to stop investing in good makeup brushes, but they want to paint their face quite often. And when I'm looking at them, I don't see it as them trying to cover something up or feeling insecure. They genuinely want to express themselves. They want to put you know, a bright pink blush that I have on their eyelids. And I'm like, go for it. I don't personally see the problem if that's how they want to express themselves that day. So I let them play recklessly with my makeup and I just think it's fun. And sometimes I'll say, do you want me to do it or do you want to do it yourself? 
I have a lot of fun at home having two girls who really, they like, they like drawing, they like painting, they're kind of artistic like that, and they like doing it on their face. Yeah, it's just an extension of that. I have a goddaughter who's the same. We paint her face every time she comes over. Yeah. She loves it. Exactly. And it's also that they don't want to do it every day. It's not a mask for them. It's a form of self-expression. So the fact that three times a month they want a full face of some random colored makeup, I'm like, great. How important is your diet to your overall well-being? Do you make quite strong choices with what you're eating? I try to, yes. I am a person who believes in moderation with everything. So I will try to set myself up for making the healthiest choices, meaning if I'm going to go to a restaurant, I'm like, well, if you're going to a place that has a lot of salad choices, chances are you're going to order something really healthy or going to a nice farm to table place. But at home, I buy mainly in bulk because we have a family of four. So we're going to like a, in America, it's called Costco or like, you know, a store where I'm buying like a gigantic freezer bag of broccoli and figuring out how to infuse the health, but still make it fun for my kids to eat. Like we do, I'll make a big thing of broccoli and then, you know, once a week, instead of doing noodles, I'll take the cheese packets from a macaroni box and put them all over the broccoli. So we have cheesy broccoli, but I do notice my energy levels affected most dramatically by the way I eat because I will succumb to three days a week just just wanting grilled cheese. But I just feel groggy. So I don't beat myself up over food. Um, I think I have a really positive relationship with it. But everything in moderation, meaning if on day six and seven of the week, I don't want something green, I just want to have a big piece of cake, I'll, I will let myself. Mm-hmm. We're celebrating Hello Bello being in the UK today. Very exciting. Which five Hello Bello products could you not do without now? Number one, I would say the Everywhere Balm. As someone who has uh, eczema, I find it helps me so much. I also put it um, on my cuticles. It's like a very soft petroleum-free cream that is just so moisturizing. I also use it after I shave my legs. It's quite good for the kids too. Very. With eczema on kids, I find um, when you use something that is that this is my rudimentary explanation for it. Anything that looks white tends to burn when they feel it. But if it looks clear and we've created a petroleum-free version, it soothes. So that's the way I look at it, or at least the shortcut I use. The Everywhere Balm, for sure. The Hair, Skin, and Nail Vitamins, I find are a game changer. The, the gu- we have all of our vitamins are in gummy form, and they're uh, the only problem with them is that you gen- they genuinely taste like candy, so you have to remind yourself they're only supposed to have two and not the whole bucket. The... Kids shampoo and body wash I use to shave my legs. It's very gentle. As a shaving, like pre-shaving foam? Oh, yeah. I don't shave with the foam. I just shave with that. Interesting. So the the primary ingredient in the shampoo and body wash is aloe. Mm -hmm. So it's really moisturizing. It's not harsh and stripping, whereas I would used to, because again, I'm like efficiency, simplicity, even though I love products, I'll reach for the bar soap and then my legs will be dry. But I grab the kids shampoo and body wash and it's, I think it's almost completely organic other than the additive for tear-free. It doesn't come in an organic compound because it is man-made. So again, with all of the Hello Bello products, we're trying to find this intersection of efficacy and ease of use with being as healthy as possible. So where we can use organic, we do, but I wasn't going to produce a shampoo and body wash that burned kids' eyes. So yeah. So the 
shampoo and body wash, the conditioner for kids is light enough that it's for, you know, children's hair, which is tends to be finer, at least with my kids. But I use it on the tips as like a soothing serum mm-hmm. after my hair is dry. And then the, it doesn't apply much here in London, but the sunscreen I find is incredible. It blends really easily. It doesn't stay white. It has a great SPF factor and it smells delicious, better than any sunscreen. I wear sunscreen every single day. Please try it. It's so, <laughs> I'm gonna it's, try sincerely, it. it's so good. Okay. All right. I'm on it. That will be the thing I use tomorrow. Okay, great. I'm going to finish by asking you the questions I ask all my guests. First one, what would you consider to be your greatest achievement, personal or professional? My greatest achievement, I think, is my commitment to keep evolving. That's such an umbrella explanation of of everything in my life, whether it's learning a new skill set that I can use on camera or off camera in a social setting or reading a book about my child's brain development or, you know, having a vulnerable talk with my husband and really hearing his point of view. I am proud of my commitment to keep evolving and keep learning at all times because I think staying flexible with your learning always makes your life better. If you could return to a younger Kristen and give her some advice, what age would you return to and what would you tell her? It would be my late 20s where I just really started a comparison hangover. It was when I first started to settle into L.A. or Hollywood, whatever it is, and it was the dawn of social media. And I would say to her, the only person you need to compare yourself to is the person you were yesterday. That's the only relevant one that matters. Which three people, dead or alive, would you invite to your ideal dinner party? Okay, I'm struggling with this question a little bit because I am such a homebody. So my instinct wants to say, my husband and my daughters. Like I want to sit down at a table with them at all times because especially having a seven and nine-year-old, they always have something new to say, something that I'm learning about them, about who they are, which is really interesting. I mean, I could watch them like a TV show, even when I think they're so annoying and I want them to leave the room, which happens often. I'm still utterly addicted to being their mom and loving watching them grow as human beings. Um, But if I had to pick people that weren't in my family, I'm going to say Bernadette Peters, because She's a one and only, and I just think she would be such a fabulous dinner guest. Danny Kay. Danny Kay's comedy inspired me so, so much. He's His physical comedy is unparalleled. Singing in the Rain. Do you remember that with Gene Kelly? When I mean, and Danny Kay could slip off a couch or, or run up the side of a wall like he was anti-gravity. And then the third one might sound random to you, but he is my obsession. There's a... NPR, National Public Radio host named Larry Mantle, who when I think about what I really want to do for a living, it's just be Larry Mantle's assistant and just see how he works, how he operates. He asks the best questions. He gives great unbiased news coverage. And I am such an NPR junkie. I recently this year joined the leadership circle of National Public Radio, which I like to brag about. Just means I donated a a level of money to them that makes me in the quote unquote leadership circle. And I'm constantly holding this over my husband's head. And they sent me a mug that says NPR AF. I told my husband, hands off. You can't touch it unless you're in the leadership circle. And so far he hasn't messed with it, but it's one of my most prized possessions. So um, I would want Larry Mantle at that dinner as well. That sounds like a fascinating dinner. (laughs) It's random for sure. 
it's nice full of people who inspire you <laughs> i think it's wonderful right thank you so much thanks for having me do you see what i mean isn't she just great it was such a pleasure to spend the afternoon together as i mentioned earlier this is the first episode of a new run so if you've not already subscribed please do as you won't want to miss any of them and if you've enjoyed the episode please let me know with a comment or review Huge thanks to my producer, Rich Jarman, and to you for listening all the way to the end. Until next time, goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 